we detect a mildly negative impact from this six-week non-energy restricted ketogenic diet on physical performance, specifically endurance capacity, peak power, and faster time to exhaustion. Our findings lead us to assume that a ketogenic diet does not impact physical fitness in a clinically relevant manner that would impair activities of daily living and aerobic training. Normal people doing normal activities, ketogenic diet is probably fine. However, a ketogenic diet may be a matter of concern in competitive athletes. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks makes 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. And of course, keep it right here listening to the OPP. Hey, so as you guys are listening to this one, because we're talking about ketones today, I want to give you guys a, a really cool, a special coupon code. Go to naturalstacks.com. Use the code OPPKETO, OPPKETO, all caps. You'll save 20% off any purchase over $100. Uh, that code will be good, uh, be valid for a week following the airing of this podcast. So this one's going to air uh, on a Monday. It'll continue to be good through the following Monday. All right. As you can tell, we're talking about ketones today. We're gonna to try something a little bit different on the OPP with this episode. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that we were moving to two shows a week, that we were gonna be changing up some of the formats. Not every show is going to be an interview with a guest. Some will be hot seats, some whatever. We're gonna we're gonna do a lot of different stuff. We're gonna have some fun. So what I'm trying to get at to with you right now is that today's episode is something a little bit different. This will be the first solo cast on the OPP. I'm going to see if I can keep your attention and provide all of the value for you today. Please give me your feedback on this episode. If you want more stuff like this, let me know at the end of this one. If you want less of these solo casts, let me know that as well. Uh, I want the OPP to be your resource for living optimal. I want to provide you all of the tools that you need and, and not just things that you can implement and act on right away, but, but sometimes just a thought process. Sometimes it's a mentality uh, or, or just a perspective to help you sort of sort, sort through things on your own. So enjoy this one and, and let me know your thoughts on it. So again, OPP Keto is your code to save 20% on any purchase over $100 this week only on the naturalstacks.com website. All right, let's do this. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is I really want to talk about ketones because I think it's something that it's being touted as this end-all, be-all, the optimal diet for everyone regardless uh, of anything else. And I kind of have a problem with that. Anytime we see these dogmatic beliefs, it sort of makes me want to take a step back and say, whoa, is, is this really, you know, it's like the saying, you know, uh, never say never and never say always. 
you know, so, so I want to just pull back a little bit and, you know, let's just talk about this a little bit more. I want people to, to think a little bit more for, for yourself, for themselves. Um, so we're going to pump the brakes on keto and I'm going to present to you a couple of things that I'm aware of in my mind that I want you to be aware of and, and some research that I want you to be aware of uh, as you look at ketogenic diets and things like that. Okay. So first of all, you know, it, it's part of our nature to search for these blanket statements. This, you know, this, is this the way this is, this is the only way to train. This is the only way to diet. This is the only way to be successful in business or life. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And part of that is, you know, there is so much misinformation and information out there about diets. It's, it's almost like the powers that be want the masses to be confused. So people just throw their hands up and say, you know, the hell with it. I'll just eat whatever I want. Um, so, you know, I just keep in mind, there is no one size fits all solution for anything in life, whether it's how to eat, how to train, uh, how to be successful in business, how to reach your goals. Um, everything is highly individual, especially diet, diet, maybe more so than anything. And it depends on a number of factors. And we'll come back to this at the end. We'll talk about some of these factors that influence and impact uh, your need for carbohydrates. So let's look at ketosis. Uh, many of you know, you've heard me talk about this before, uh, for about eight months in 2016, uh, I was strictly ketogenic. Uh, I didn't have, it reminds me of like that scene from Step Brothers, you know, where the, the brother climbs up in the treehouse and he pulls up his shirt and he says, I haven't had a carb since 1992. Um, you know, but I, I was strictly ketogenic for about eight months. And you know, I loved the mental energy. I loved the mental clarity. I loved the focus. Uh, I loved the way I felt waking up, wanting to go to work and, and get in front of the computer and do stuff. What I didn't like was, and I tried to deny this for a while, but what I didn't like was after a few months, I started to lose the motivation, the desire to train. I started to get, you know, physically burnt out. There were a lot of things in my life that I sort of chalked that up to. Um, we got married, we moved, things, a lot of things changed. So my training changed, the way I approached training changed. Um, but at the end of the day, I lost a lot of strength. And at the end of the eight month keto experiment, my top end strength was down about 20 to 25%. And when I say top end strength, I mean my one rep max. Um, you know, the, the amount of weight that I can lift. And, you know, we've talked before about sort of maximum capacity and the higher your maximum capacity is, the higher your operational capacity can be. Meaning if I can lift a hundred pounds one time as my maximum effort, then 70% of that output is going to be 70 pounds. But if I double my top end, go from hundred pounds to 200 pounds, 70% is now 140 pounds. The same thing works for, you know, reading speed. I think that's actually where we talked about it. It was on the podcast with Jonathan uh, Levy, where we talked about being an accelerated learner. If you can read faster at your top end, then, you know, the, the normal speed at which you read will also increase. So, you know, if, if your top end strength goes down on a ketogenic diet, then a lot of that sub-maximal work that we're doing to build work capacity and sort of take advantage of that endurance that being fat adapted allows us, um, 
you know, you're getting more of a drop off there in that performance than you actually think or realize at first glance. So I think that's, that's a really, really important thing to be aware of. And, and for me, with my background as a strength coach and, and in the fitness world, being a gym owner, strength is the adaptation that leads to all other adaptations. So if we see a significant and 20 to 25% drop, that is significant. If we see that big of a drop, uh, that's an alarming thing to me. That's something that is going to make me say, all right, wait a minute, maybe this isn't the route that I want to follow. Um, and again, I'm talking about my experience and, and what matters to me. You have to decide that for you, but I just want to present uh, all the angles, all the science and some perspectives for you. So, um, you know, again, talking about ketosis and, and, and how much it is talked about and how heavily and, and, and passionately it's talked about. Another thing that gives me great pause is the fact that most of those loud proponents of the ketogenic diet stand to make a financial gain from you using their product. Specifically, I'm referring to some multi-level marketing or MLM companies. I'm not going to go down on a tangent about, you know, how right or wrong that is, but I just want you to be aware of it and, you know, realize that a lot of the people on social media yelling about how great ketosis is are also selling ketones. Uh, now, I will also back up that statement and say that I use exogenous ketones. I take them uh, when I was doing the ketogenic diet. I took them daily. I still use them three or four times a week. I think they're a great tool. They're a tool in our toolbox. It's like a hammer, right? Uh, you could build a house with just a hammer, but it wouldn't be the best house in the world. Uh, and likewise, I don't think you would trust uh, a craftsman who said, that the only tool you'll ever need is a hammer, right? So uh, I, I think just kind of keep that in mind, take everything sort of with a grain of salt, make your own decisions. Uh, exogenous ketones are a great tool. Personally, I use them as a bridge to sort of help get myself into fat burning mode uh, a little bit faster or to kind of lower that threshold of like the, the keto flu where you're sort of going back and forth from fuel sources. It, it, I think it can help us with that metabolic flexibility. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, but what I really want to do is highlight uh, a study that has just been published. Um, and uh, so this was in Nutrition and Metabolism. Uh, it's called The Impact of a Six-Week Non-Energy Restricted Ketogenic Diet on Physical Fitness, Body Composition, and Biochemical Parameters in Healthy Adults. Um, so this was received in, in December of 2016. It was published in February of 2017. So very recent. Um, and I, I, this caught my eye because it talks about sort of cautioning power athletes and athletes, performance athletes in general, against um, the ketogenic diet. And again, like I said, it's in line with my personal experience. So let's talk about the study. It was a six-week study. As you heard in the title, there were no calorie restrictions. So any, uh, any decreases in performance are not attributable to a caloric deficit. I think that's very important. Uh, there were 42 subjects. Average age was 37 years old, plus or minus 12 years. Uh, no calorie restrictions. The diet was comprised of 71%, call it 72% fat, 20 
0.9, call it 21% protein, and 7.7% carbs. So less than 10% carbohydrates. And through these six weeks, they tested uh, ketone levels with urine tests, and 97% of those tests came back positive. So the compliance for the subjects was very strong, very high compliance. And when you're looking at experiments, you know, that's important data to look at. Um, so I, I really like that the researchers looked at both performance and biomarkers. So we're going to break this down. We'll talk about performance. Uh, number one, on the performance side, VO2 max decreased by 2.4%. Peak power decreased by 4.1%. So some of those uh, high performance gauges or, or parameters uh, measuring tools saw a little bit of a decrease. Interesting uh, was that grip strength increased 2.5%. And before we move off of that, I really want to highlight why that is so important. Um, in the last few years, grip strength has become a very reliable predictor of uh, longevity and actually uh, all-cause mortality. So uh, as we, when we think about ketosis, the ketogenic diet, one of the, the claims is that it supports anti-aging and longevity. And, uh, you know, I think we see a carryover there then if, if it increases grip strength, which has been shown to increase longevity or have a beneficial impact on life extension. So that's uh, a positive on the side of the ketogenic diet. Um, related to grip strength, uh, so this study was, um, uh, this was actually, it's through Harvard, it's on the Harvard Health website. I'll post a link to all of these studies on the blog post for this, so go to naturalstacks.com, you guys will be able to see the video and the blog post. Um, but this grip strength study is part of the PURE study, Prospective Urban and Rural Epidemiological Study, where researchers followed 140,000 adults in 17 countries for an average of four years. So this is a huge study. And they used a device called a dynamo, dynanometer, uh, and that's how they measured grip strength. And what was fascinating was that for every 11 pound decrease in grip strength, it was linked to a 16% higher risk of dying from any cause. So an, an 11 pound decrease in your grip strength is a 16% higher uh, risk of all-cause mortality. That's every 11 pounds. So if you lose 22 pounds, if you lose 33 pounds, then it's 16 times 2, 16 times 3. It's a compounding thing, which is very important, uh, especially if we're talking about strength. 17% um, higher risk of dying from a heart disease, 9% higher risk of stroke, and a 7% higher risk of heart attack. All of those are correlated to every 11-pound decrease in grip strength. Uh, so again, grip strength is becoming a, a very strong indicator of uh, quality of life, robustness, and uh, life extension. So uh, I think it's important to note, since we're, we're talking about pros and cons of the ketogenic diet, that increased grip strength, um, the, the six-week ketogenic diet did increase grip strength 2.5%. So on to the biomarkers. Uh, as you might expect, there was a 3% reduction in blood glucose, a 20% reduction in serum insulin levels, and a 20% reduction in IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor. Um, the blood glucose and the insulin decreases are great. Uh, I think those are to be expected. 
carbs were only 7.7% of the total caloric intake. So uh, unless we have some sort of drastic metabolic dysfunction, you would expect to see those biomarkers change in that direction. Uh, and as we'll talk about later, you know, this is a positive uh, or support for ketogenic diets for those with metabolic dysfunction or for those looking to avoid it. Um, but before we go down that road, let's talk about IGF-1. What is IGF-1? Insulin-like growth factor is what that stands for. It is a, uh, a peptide, just like insulin. Uh, it's great for building muscle. Um, it, it's well known as something that we need to avoid uh, for cancer patients. Um, but most people don't know that it plays a pivotal role in healing, and it tends to be low uh, in people with high levels of chronic inflammation. Um, IGF-1 may have anti-aging implications. It is associated with increased telomere length. We talked a lot about the importance of telomeres and how they impact aging with Dr. Bill Andrews on that podcast. Um, I will put a link to that one on the show notes as well. If you haven't heard that one, definitely listen to that. But def uh, for, for a brief kind of description of that, think of telomeres, they're the end caps on our chromosomes. Think about them like the caps on the end of your shoelace. And every time our cells replicate, those caps get smaller and smaller and smaller until there's nothing left. And when you destroy the cap on the end of your shoelace, you know it's just shot, it's gone. So when we have no more telomeres, the cell cannot replicate anymore, so you have cell senescence or death. Um, so it's very important from an anti-aging standpoint to protect telomere length. We want to avoid things that shorten them, uh, smoking, highly processed foods, uh, that kind of stuff. But again, I will put a link to that podcast in the show notes. Um, so again, IGF-1 associated with increased telomere length. It decreases inflammation. It enhances antioxidant activity, especially glutathione. And I want to mention another podcast that we did with Stephen Falks. We did two with him. Uh, the first one that we did, I will link to this one in the podcast show notes as well. But um, Stephen talks about the importance of maintaining high levels of glutathione to protect against neurodegenerative disorders. Uh, so really, really crucial that we don't buy into blindly a diet, ketogenic diet, that significantly 20 to 22% reduction, that is significant in IGF-1, if it is going to be so closely related with uh, decreased in inflammation, uh, increase in telomere length, uh, protection against uh, the, the neurodegenerative disorders by protecting glutathione. So uh, again, these are just things to consider. Um, I think they are considerable counterpoints to the anti-aging benefits of ketosis. It's not a deal breaker, but something that we want to guard against. So if we're looking for what is that optimal diet, it's, okay, maybe ketogenesis is, or ketogenic diets are a great default or template or baseline, but now let's identify the weak points and figure out how we can guard against them. And, and to me, that's really what I'm trying to, to share with you today is, you know, let's, let's look at all of the things that could go wrong if we blindly buy into and follow a ketogenic diet and figure out a way to guard against them. Um, so the researcher's conclusion on this study, quote, 
we detect a mildly negative impact from this six-week non-energy restricted ketogenic diet on physical performance, specifically endurance capacity, peak power, and faster time to exhaustion. Our findings lead us to assume that a ketogenic diet does not impact physical fitness in a clinically relevant manner that would impair activities of daily living and aerobic training. However, a ketogenic diet may be a matter of concern in competitive athletes. So highlight some of this stuff. Let's, let's really dig into what they're saying. And this is exactly what I'm saying. Um, and that's why I love this study. I love this conclusion. Normal people doing normal activities ketogenic diet is probably fine. If you have metabolic dysfunction, if you have cancer, if you have a reason to choose the ketogenic diet, then by all means, choose it. Um, if you have glucose metabolism issues, definitely choose it. If you're significantly overweight, again, that's going to be a metabolic dysfunction. We've all seen the thousands of success stories of people losing 100 or 200 pounds on the ketogenic diet, and that's great. Um, so uh, again, we know that, that fat is a great fuel source for our brain. We know that reducing uh, those bullshit ingredients from our diet is great for cognition, for health, for longevity, um, especially if somebody's coming from that standard American diet. So, so quickly a note on food quality. To me, no matter what diet you follow, whether it's paleo, keto, whatever, for me personally, it all comes down to food quality, uh, grass-fed, organic, no chemicals, no pesticides, looking at the micronutrients, how those things support our cellular function, how it all plays into that bigger picture. Uh, but I recently heard the, the CEO from Whole Foods, John Mackey, on a podcast, and in that interview, he, he specifically talked about the standard American diet. And if you were to design a diet to make people sick, this would be it. 54% uh, processed oils, flours, refined sugars, 32% animal products. Most of those in the standard American diet are coming from factory farmed bullshit animals uh, that are sick, that are raised you know, in, in poor conditions and have toxins bioaccumulating up their fat. Uh, and that only leaves 14% plant matter, which we know contains so many vital micro micronutrients, minerals, vitamins, and all those things. So I, I thought that was really important to, to kind of share and highlight. So, you know, if we're talking about keto uh, or paleo or whatever, it's all about the highest quality of, of ingredients um, and, and taking that step in the right direction. Um, you know, we all know those keto folks who eat factory farm bacon and pork rinds and fried chicken, pounds of cheese uh, because it fits their macros. Um, but those things are loaded with toxins. They're devoid of, of micronutrients that support normal, healthy cellular function. So, um, you know, again, I guess I digress from that tangent and come back to really the topic at hand. And for many, the ketogenic diet can be a great thing. And if you're not a performance athlete, if you're not a power athlete, maybe a ketogenic diet is perfect for you as, as it is as a base, as a template. Um, when I look at the athletes having success on a ketogenic diet, most of them are not using the power fuel pathways. Uh, those athletes that are successful on a ketogenic diet um, appear to be endurance athletes, climbers, adventurers, people who are able to take advantage of being fat adapted, uh, but they are not power athletes. They're not crossfitters. They're not basketball players. They're not football players. Um, 
and, and, and when I start to think about this and, and even looking at like an ancestral viewpoint for this thing, I question if our ancestors were truly ketogenic. They were opportunistic. They were foragers. They would go out and they, the amount of energy that they exerted and effort that they exerted to acquire game, animal products, uh, they would, uh, if it was a day hunt or a multi-day hunt, they would be eating anything that they could come across on the way. And most of those things were going to be plants. Yes, maybe some nuts and maybe some seeds, but a lot of greens, a lot of plants. Um, and, and they were opportunistic. If they walked past an apple tree or a fig tree or a blueberry patch, they were going to eat a lot of those. And I think this is another important thing that could maybe be a topic for another podcast. If you guys want to hear this on another podcast, let me know. But uh, I, I really like talking about the fact that I think we're wired to eat until one of two things happens. One, we run out of food, or two, we can't get any more food in. I think that's a biological adaptation because we've never had the availability of food that we have today. So we, we are, it's ingrained in us uh, that, that food is scarce and that we need to eat everything or, or store everything. Um, so uh, there's a whole lot more to that. We'll do that on another show. Um, but to my original point, our ancestors were opportunistic. They weren't going to pass up food if they walked by it, whether it was a fig or blueberry or uh, a keto patch of nuts, right? Um, so I think at best, our ancestors may have been cyclical ketogenic dieters. And uh, I think that's a great segue into sort of, you know, what I've found to be successful for me. Um, but if you, if we are striving for, if we are healthy and we're striving for optimal, we're trying to get to the top end of what's possible, let's don't use data from a sick or unhealthy population to support what we want to happen for us. You know, the closer we get to optimal, the more we need that adaptability, that anti-fragility, that metabolic flexibility, as Mike T. Nelson calls it. Um, and, and we actually had Mike and Dominic Diagostino on a previous podcast talking about nothing but ketones. I will link to that one for you guys as well. You'll actually hear Dominic talk about how he feels it is incredibly necessary to keep the AMPK pathway active uh, by providing periodic and strategically timed carbohydrates. So here you have the preeminent ketogenic researcher and proponent and, and even Dominic is saying that we need carbs at, at certain intervals, uh, especially if you're a power athlete. So, uh, and again, all of this is in line with my own personal experiences. When I went straight keto, when I went no carb, I saw a huge drop off in, in power output and peak performance. So the question now becomes, how do we get the life extension and the neurological benefits of ketosis without sacrificing strength performance uh, and, and the other uh, longevity things that come with glutathione and, and telomere um, uh, protection and, and uh, enhancement. Um, so for me, it comes down to what I call the minimal effective dose for carbohydrates. And that's something that I can't give you a number. Uh, you have to figure that out for yourself. It's different for all of us. But what I can tell you is that over my years of, of helping people, that that number is very closely related to the amount of muscle mass that you have, because that significantly impacts how much glycogen you can store, um, glycogen being the stored form of carbohydrates, but it also is dependent upon the intensity and frequency with which 
you train. So if you're doing CrossFit three, four, five times a week, if you're playing basketball four or five days a week, uh, if you're playing football uh, every single day, you're going to have a greater demand for carbohydrates than somebody who maybe does CrossFit one day a week and does yoga two days a week and hikes three days a week. Um, so audit your training, audit your lifestyle and assess the intensity and the frequency. Uh, what demand are you creating for yourself for carbohydrates? So for me, it's about one or two days a week where I uh, will have carbohydrates. So my base template is a ketogenic template. Uh, first of all, I do intermittent fasting. I do one or two meals a day, and that is a ketogenic setup on most days. Um, on the carb days, those one or two days a week where I have carbs, those days are always days where I am um, requiring that peak power output from my body. So it's a heavy strength training day, and it's usually pretty high volume. So whether it's CrossFit or strongman or something along those lines that creates that demand it's putting me in a physiological state that is making me more receptive to that glucose absorption and improving glucose metabolism uh, i think that's a very important thing to note um, and all i do is i keep it really simple i just flip flop my macros on that day uh, I'm not saying this is the perfect way. It's just easy. It works for me and I don't have to put a lot of thought into it. So if a normal day is 50 carbs and 200 grams of fat, I flip flop it and I do 200 grams of carbs and 50 grams of fat. It's that simple. Do it once a week, twice a week, five times a week, maybe uh, whatever works for you. Again, it's the minimal effective dose. And what I found is within four weeks or I'm sorry, within four months of going back to doing this, my strength is now where it was before I started the ketogenic uh, experiment, if you will. Uh, so I have improved my strength. Uh, I've kept my biomarkers the same as they were uh, when doing the ketogenic diet. I get all the benefits of the ketogenic diet in terms of mental clarity and focus and, and brain performance, but I'm also reaping the rewards on the physical side as well. I have that desire to train again and I have the performance in the gym. Um, so if you're a peak athlete uh, or a performance athlete or, or anybody who just doesn't want to give up the physical side or notice the physical drop off in ketosis, um, there you go. Hopefully that helps. Um, but I found that that addition, um, makes all the difference in the world for me. Um, additional strength, uh, muscle sizes back. It prevents leptin and AMPK downregulation. Um, you know, I have not measured IGF-1. I would like to get that measured to see if I'm preventing the decline in that, uh, which as we talked about earlier, can impact telomere length and glutathione. So um, I will update you guys on that if I'm able to get it measured, we'll follow up there. Um, so that's it, that wraps up kind of the thought process for this one. Uh, thank you guys for bearing with me on this new um, format or template for the solo podcast on the OPP. Go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post with video for this podcast. I will link to all of the studies that I mentioned here. And if you have comments, if you have feedback, if you have questions, hit me up. Um, shoot them to me on social media at Ryan Muncie underscore uh, or at naturalstacks on uh, Instagram, at naturalstacks on Twitter, at Ryan Muncie on Twitter. Uh, email me, ryan at naturalstacks.com. 
leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if, if you particularly liked this format, uh, leave that review on iTunes. Uh, those iTunes reviews really, really help us. And if this show helped you, if you found it at all helpful or, or entertaining or whatever, share it. Um, if you're listening on your phone, there's a, there's a little drop down arrow, click that, you get the share URL, share it with your friends, text it to them, email it to them, Facebook message it to them, whatever. Uh, but I really want to get this information in more people's heads and hands so that you guys can optimize your lives. And if it helps you, share it with them so we can help them as well. Uh, that's it. Talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.